Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. to you from the Night Dreams Talk Radio Network Newsroom, I'm Guy Ticker with The Strange News. One in five people in the UK believe that their own home is haunted. As results for other countries become available, we will pass that along. I'm Guy Ticker. The Strange News is brought to you by Night Dreams Talk Radio Network. Do you have a strange story? Contact us at nightdreamstalkradio.com.
broadcasting to you live in his underwear. <laughs> Sorry. From the studios of Night Dreams Talk Radio, you're listening to Gary Anderson. He's the bomb. The size of nuclear bombs today has evolved from the 1960s so that they are smaller but more accurate. Hey, are we talking about weapons or uh, Gary? Even if the total megatonnage was actually less, the explosive force would be spread out more efficiently across the metropolitan area. So in that case, the actual destruction would be even greater than what I'm about to describe now. Yeah, we're talking about Gary. On the radio, on the internet, and in worldwide syndication, get ready for the ride of your life. The destruction that I'm about to describe is likely an underestimation of what would actually happen. It still gives an adequate sort of approximation of the effects. So here we go. Here's Gary. And here I am, and I hope everybody's having a great Thursday evening. I'm hoping that you got your feet propped up on the sofa or the easy chair. I hope you have a nice glass of hot chocolate and a log in the fire and just, well, relaxing, listening to, well, naturally, night dreams. Well, I have a lot of things to talk about tonight. We've got a great guest. We're going to be talking about artificial intelligence. Not my... First or second wife, but, you know, what is going on with governments and, you know, industry and everything else? Well, I in the news today, this is really upsetting, and I normally don't talk about this stuff, but back in Florida a few years ago, there was a prison, and what they did is they modified one of the showers. And if you were causing problems with the guards or the guards didn't like you, they would throw you in this shower that they modified. Well, it turned out they threw a prisoner in the shower and, well, they boiled him to death. That's how hot the shower was. And it took a couple years for this to come out. I hope some of these prison guards are actually going to be prisoners in one of those prisons. What do you think about that one, Mr. JC? I think that is karma with a capital K coming around to bite them right where you know where. And, um, yeah, they're not going to like that. No, and that's really scary. You know, you think, you know, people are in there doing their time and why should they be abused and to the point where their life is taken from them? That is totally crazy just because somebody or some people don't like the way you act or maybe they don't like the way you look in prison. I don't know. I've never been there yet. Well, you know, what I don't like is artificial intelligence. It has good and evil both tied into it. But, you know, the president is trying to get this bill uh, approved. I don't know if that's going to happen with Congress to put more rules on artificial intelligence, how it could be used. You know, in China, they got cameras like on every street corner in all the major cities and they're monitoring you and they can actually zoom into you and find out who you are. That's scary, but that's not even in, we're not even talking about China. How about if you go to the local bus depot or you go to the airport and you look suspicious or for some reason, somebody just wants to look at you. They can pull up all your information about you just because your face, it recognizes you and it goes through the computer. That is what is getting out of the control. And how many of you guys gone into a department store Got your cell phone up, right? And you're you're typing in while you're in that department store. Well, I wonder if they carry this. So you type it in, and then for the next two long weeks, every time you get on your cell phone or you go down to the internet, guess what pops up? The item that you clicked on that you were seeing of that store had in stock. And that, again, I think that's a violation of your rights when that goes on. I don't know if you've had that happen to you, J.C., I, I have had that happen. I, I think AI is a lot like uh, once you get the toothpaste out of the tube, you, you can't never get it back in there. And it's like, and God forbid, if you look a lot like somebody who say is maybe a criminal, um, then what? They're going to target you thinking you're somebody else. But there's, yeah. And as far as the stores, oh, yeah, that's happened to me. Well, look at the actor strike. It's now going to be settled, right? Why did they go on strike? One of the main reasons is AI. You know, let's face it, right? They get you in there. Why do they need you to act uh, in a, a movie? They could just do create you, right? 
and make the movie without you. Hey, here's a couple thousand dollars. We don't need you. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, I can remember 30 years ago when uh, Natalie Cole did a video with her. They put her father in. It, that was kind of AI, I guess, kind of the ground ground floor of that, it. That was a song, you know, and it was, yeah. yeah. But, you know, again, technology is getting farther and farther. Yes, there's good points to it and there's bad points to it. Do you realize you don't even have to get a, a, a commit a crime? But if somebody doesn't like you, they could well, they could set you up for a crime they, uh, oh, that you yeah. never created. You could be that person that they're looking for. That's what's scary. Yeah, absolutely. It, what's going to happen with, say, 30, I don't know, 20, 30 years in the future when it's like that one movie with Tom Cruise where they can see the future with AI and they know you're going to be a criminal and they arrest you before you ever do anything. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Anyway, we're going to be back with our guest and right after this. So stay tuned. You're listening to Night Dreams on Night Dreams Talk Radio. Captain Paul Watson was a co-founder of the Greenpeace Foundation in 1972 and the founder of Sea Shepherd in 1977. In 2022, he was forced out of Sea Shepherd in a hostile takeover. So, he established the Captain Paul Watson Foundation to carry on the work they've been doing for half a century with the specific strategy of aggressive nonviolence, which means aggressive intervention without killing or injuring anyone. They took the name he created and the logos he designed, but they couldn't take away his life's mission. The Foundation will carry on. This summer, with their new ship, the John Paul DeJoria, they intend to intervene against the Icelandic slaughter of endangered fin whales. And in 2024, they plan to be in the Southern Ocean Whale Sanctuary to stop the return of Japanese whalers who will be defying the International Court of Justice. They have one ship, but they need two more. Please visit paulwatsonfoundation.org to become a monthly donor. By becoming a monthly donor, you can help grow their navy and help save our oceans. We don't survive on this planet with dead oceans. If the oceans die, we die. Please visit now www.paulwatsonfoundation.org. And we are back. Well, JC, who is our guest tonight and what are we going to be talking about? Well, our guest tonight is Dr. Eric Hesseltine. Now, he is the chairman of the U.S. Technology Leadership Council and CEO of the tech startup Magnetic Wave. Now, he is also the author of numerous books on innovation as well as the true spy thriller, The Spy in Moscow Station. And he's also very, very uh, done a lot of research on the AI and the dangers of it, which we will be talking about tonight. Well, Doctor, welcome to the show. How are you doing this evening? Doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about your background? Well, I guess I'm a neuroscientist gone bad, and... <laughs> I don't mean that because I ended up being an intelligence officer at NSA and other parts of the government, including CIA. It's because I worked at Disney, ended up being the executive vice president of Imagineering, which is the part that does new stuff for the company. And so uh, I have a pretty broad background. And lately, for the last four years, I've been deep into AI, both as a user and as a creator taking what I know about neuroscience and shoehorning it into AI. Well, you know, like we were talking, AI has its good points and it has its evil points too. I mean, that's the part, you know, that I'm really worried about. You know, a friend of mine who's no longer with this, Art Bell, he mm -hmm. made a mistake one time and used the word it has a B in it and a couple O's and an M. And he got a couple of weeks later a knock on the door. And, and mm -hmm. it, it, what is really scary, and I also had some people who, you know, friends 
that work for the DOD and other agencies, they tell me that you got to be really careful what you say on your cell phone, on your phone, and on the Internet, because AI and different people are monitoring different things, keywords. Is that true? It's true, I think, when it comes to private industry. When it comes to NSA in particular, that's something I know a lot about. And it's not true uh, unless you're a foreign intelligence target or the FBI is cooperating with NSA on a court order or a search warrant. So the idea that your average American needs to worry about what they say on the phone from the point of view of their government is not true. How about on the Internet? Same thing. Um, After the abuses of the Nixon administration in the 70s and the Church Commission and the legislation, there are really strong laws that prevent intelligence agencies from spying on Americans. And at NSA in particular, I can't tell you the numbers, but they're huge, of an organization called Oversight and Compliance, which makes sure that NSA officers are not inappropriately eavesdropping on people they shouldn't be. How about if you are friends with somebody who is being, you know, monitored? Mm-hmm. Uh, could that cause them to, well, kind of monitor you too? It could. And that brings up the question of minimization, which is when that happens, there are procedures in place to remove the information about the innocent, unwanted uh, target. I mean, is it perfect? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No, but I will tell you that they take it very seriously. Interesting. What got you, yourself, I mean, what got you interested in AI originally? Well, at first, I was working on a project to greatly improve weapon screening. Uh, one of the major theme park operators came to me and said, They had a problem with so many people backing up on busy days that it created a soft target outside the gate, and they wanted to greatly speed up. So I came up with a screener that had no false alarms. You walked through. You didn't have to take anything out of your pockets. You just walked through, and it knew you were clean or not, and it worked. It took me several years to get it working, but it did work. And so I used what was called TensorFlow and Random Forest in addition to some of the neuroscience algorithms that I developed. And that's what got me started. More recently, I've been using it in my work on uh, electromagnetic fields. Okay, what are you doing with that? I have what amounts to a magnetic X-ray that can see through heavy steel plate. So my technology is used in the shipbuilding and repair business. Is it something like, too, and like, you know, years ago, they didn't even had no way to check the quality of the steel on, you know, ships or bridges and all that stuff. Then they got into magnafluxing. So this Mm -hmm. actually they could 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 they actually then you could scan the quality of the metal to make sure that, you know, it's not crystallized or or something. That's right. That's one application, corrosion or problems due to welding or heating. But there are others, too. Um. You know, for example, make sure you don't weld in the wrong place and set the ship on fire. That could happen. And I, it did happen. It has back. happened. Yeah, it has happened. Yeah. The Navy has lost $4 billion on shipyard fires in the last two decades. Well, they lost one, what, about two years ago? Yeah. Yeah, that was a big write-off. I, again, so you got into that. I mean let's talk about the all the good things we just discussed it a couple right there you know the yeah. the you know being able to let's say check the quality of the metal looking for any rust or corrosion mm-hmm. or crystallization of the you know metal content but what's some of the other good things well 
when I talk about AI, I like to talk about things other people are not talking about. And the reason is, but both the good and the not good are already being discounted. People are taking advantage of the obvious things and they're trying to put in safeguards and worry about the obvious things. The obvious things being some of the ones you've talked about, invasions of privacy and autonomous weapons that can go kill people, the Skynet situation where the AIs get super smart and decide humans are irrelevant. Um, to me, that stuff needs to be thought about, but not nearly as much as the stuff people aren't thinking about because it's precisely because we're not thinking about these things that they could be problems or, on the other hand, missed opportunities. So when we talk about the good things, I'll start there. An example of something you're not hearing people talk much about is the positive feedback loop with AI. I have seen it myself in my own laboratory where I am making advances light years faster than I ever would have because I have AI. And because I have the advances, I can make still more advances and it becomes a virtuous circle, self-propagating. And so I think the pace of change of technology and science and biology is going to really accelerate. And that's good in that we may have cures for diseases that we thought were uncurable. We may have energy that we didn't know we could get because of some breakthroughs. But on the other hand, humans aren't well adapted to rapid radical change. You could view some of the political trends that are going on right now as a backlash against globalization and the accelerating pace of change. In the intelligence world, I spent a lot of time in the Middle East, Iraq and other places, Afghanistan, and really a big issue is that the Western world has moved far faster than some of the Middle Eastern world wants it to in so many ways. And that's where a lot of this tension is coming from. So uh, that's an example of a two-edged sword. But it's something that I don't think a lot of people appreciate about AI. It's going to affect everything in a good way, in that whatever it is people do that are knowledge workers or the machinists that I employ, it's going to be done faster, better, cheaper. Yeah, but won't that also cause, like, job losses in the future? I'm sorry, uh, what was that again? Could it not? Oh, we're getting feedback all of a sudden here. Um, uh, Jay-Z, do you have your mic or something on or something? That's... Anyway, couldn't it cause, like, job losses, too? Because a lot of, you know, robotic uh, uh, is now going into industry, uh, technology is advancing so far. I mean, eventually, a lot of people that, you know, that had, you know, manual jobs working in factories uh, yeah. could be replaced because of AI. Couldn't that cause? That's true. Um, that will happen. And if you look at history, it's already happened a lot with automation. Robots have been around a long time in manufacturing, and they have put people out of jobs. But at the same time, they've created even more jobs that are higher paying to design and build and maintain robots. So it's a, everything is a two-edged sword. Um, and I think that the loss of jobs is an obvious peril, but a less obvious one is the loss of jobs in a good way in that at some point in time, AIs could do everything and humans don't need to work. Yeah, but that's like, that, but you know, that that's scary. I mean, can you th think if you didn't have to go to work and you basically had a couple of hobbies? I mean, let's face it, you know, longevity living is based on, you know, being active in your life. A lot mm -hmm. of people, my grandfather, you know, was a machinist. He built gas stations and he would, you know, he his job was actually the one welding and cutting and then it would be transported. Soon as he retired, you know, there he was working his butt off. He retired. He went into his easy chair, started reading books. Two years later, he was dead. Yeah. We need to have a mission in life and a goal and a purpose. And that is the danger of AI. It will rob us of that by making life too easy. You know, humans from the very beginning 
what distinguishes us from other organisms is the extreme degree to which we use tools and keep developing new and better ones. And AI is just the next best tool that we're doing to make our lives faster, better, cheaper. That's what tools are for. And you can just put it in the bank that AI will be used that way because all tools are used that way. And I think that that's a hidden danger that we lose our mission in life and we become kind of zombies wandering around with nothing much to do. So stress and challenge are of a nature that too much is bad, but too little is bad, too. Yeah, but we need we, to have challenges in our life. We need to put some type of control on what can be done with it and what can't be done with it. You know, young people, young people, I hate to say it, a lot of them are into like computer games. And mm -hmm. even those with AI, it's, it's crazy what you can do with them now. But they really have no ambition in life. They don't, you know, we hear a lot of people wanted to go to college. They wanted to get degrees. They wanted to do this. And now it's starting to slip the other way. They, they, they're they losing that extra mm -hmm. drive that we had in this country. That's right. And uh, I asked an AI in advance of this show, what were the unexpected surprising dangers of AI? And it came back at me with the normal answers. And I said, no, no, no. Tell me something I haven't heard before. And it said, here's one. We, AI, will be so good at knowing what you specifically want. We'll be able to addict you to a video game, and you'll never do anything else. Because <laughs> we know exactly which buttons to push. That's scary, doctor. That That's is, scary. Yeah. I mean, it's bad enough with young people that sit in front of the... Or people my age, you know, as soon as they're off the air, they're watching, you know, TV study. Uh, I mean, it's really addicting. And like I was said before we went on the air, I, and I'm not the only one, it's not my imagination. I've heard it from so many people the last year or so. They're in Walmarts, they're in Target, other department stores, right? And they're, they're saying, okay, does Walmart have a special on such and such TV or bicycle, for example? What all of a sudden appears on their phone for the next two weeks? Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And uh, there are many other. But again, I want to focus on the ones that people ha maybe haven't heard about, because I think those are the ones that are going to be the most problematic. We'll take some steps to mitigate the ones we think about. I'll give you an example. I literally spend eight to 10 hours a day with an AI advanced language model, and it helps me with physics and electronic design problems and so forth. But I don't trust it because it's really good at confabulating and making things up from whole cloth. And it's just good enough that I kind of depend on it, but I can't trust it. So in my human conversations, I've started taking to questioning some of my friends. Well, where did you get that information? And that's not healthy. And that's a subtle and interesting thing that our relationships with AIs are going to start to color and change our relationships with humans in unexpected ways. Yeah, why would you want to get married? You can be in love with your whatever. Well, I can think of a few reasons. Well, that's beside that. But I mean, <laughs> seriously, I mean, you know, look at, I remember an episode of The Twilight Zone where this guy was on a planet, a prisoner, mm -hmm. and they brought a robot that they actually looked like a human, performed like a human in every way, and became his companion. Are we going to be in that type of situation down the road? Oh, guaranteed. I mean, when you look at most technologies, the porn industry is the early adopter. The whole fiber infrastructure of this country was paid for by, uh, you know, phone sex that, that was put in because of the, the entrepreneurs that did that. And uh, you look at what's happening with virtual and augmented reality. You can put that one in the bank. That's scary. But, you know, you think about And by the way, people, if you want to get busted nowadays, don't look at porn on your phone or anything. You'd be surprised. You might be on your, your smart TV and all of a sudden porn starts appearing. But I'm not saying it happened to me, by the way. But, I mean, you've got to be careful on everything. I mean, seriously. It's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, doing what I do, I, I get so much garbage. It's, it's scary. Even my yeah. show of what, uh, for my software for the radio stations and the internet and all that stuff is all AI, everything. 
I don't need, you know, when I was in commercial broadcasting, working out of a radio station instead of a studio out of my place, I had people. I had an engineer over here. I had this person. I had my producer and director over there. Now I do everything myself. I do a job of seven people by myself. That's right. And I'm the same. I have a small startup, and I now write code, design circuits, lay out circuit boards, do 3D printing of the enclosures, and I'm doing the work of 30 or 40 people back when I started in the early 80s. Oh, yeah. Well, Doctor, we need to take about a four-minute break, and we come back. Let's talk about the real scary stuff with AI, and then we can go any which way you want, and could... Think about this while we're on our break. Could, you know, some people say it's going to be a false flag that, you know, someday the government say could say that we're being invaded by ETs and it's all going to be AI, you know, all that stuff. Let's talk about all this stuff. We'll be back with the doctor right after this. You're listening to Night Dreams on Night Dreams Network. We'll be right back right after this. So stay tuned. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Biggest names, the brightest stars, on the red carpet, and on the air, with Gary Anderson. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, when it comes to the big get, Gary's got them. Like voiceover artist Jim Meskimus. his mom really Mrs. C on Happy Days? Allison Arngrim from Little House on the Prairie. Oh, speaking of Little House, Gary's got Dean Butler from the show talking about his book, 
Prairie Man, My Little House Life, and beyond. Here's much more. Yeah, there is. Check this out. Loretta Swit, Hot Lips Houlihan from MASH. So listen to Gary Anderson, because you never know who's going to show. That's why we do these promos, right? Gary Anderson, where the stars come out to play. Tune in early, tune in often, right here on the Night Dreams Talk Radio Network. Beaming to you like a whirlwind in syndication and on all the apps worldwide. You are listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio Network. And we are back. Hey, doctor, one of the people on chat said they would like AI to find them a husband, a mate. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Well... They may find that it works. I think that's already happening with uh, eHarmony and Match. I met my wife on Match.com, and I'm very happy with her. I don't think I ever would have run into someone like her if I hadn't. But um, then there's that country western song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. (laughs) Hey, I might match you up with someone that looks good on paper, but (laughs) does not end up being so good. But yeah, I think that there isn't anything that humans do that won't be made better, faster, cheaper with AI. And I asked, as I said, my machinist, uh, I said, what would you like it to do? And he said the CNC machines that he used, the computer-controlled mills and so forth, are so complex. He needs help using them, and he's a really bright guy. And so that's an example. I think that... uh, if you're a knowledge worker or even not a knowledge worker, you won't be able to do your job or compete unless you use it. Well, yeah, you know, again, I mean, I can, it, it, it's, it's, you know, to do my show, it makes it so much easier with AI. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm old. I mean, I had to learn all this stuff, but, you know, it's now to the point, I mean, anything I need is like, ooh, you know, there it is. And I, yeah. and, and, and finding out about guests, stats, you name it, there it is. The thing I'm worried about, Eon, it, the guy who, you know, bought Twitter and all that stuff, has been making claims of killer robots because mm-hmm. of AI and all this other stuff in the near future. What do you think? Well, first of all, that ship has sailed. If you look at the way cruise missiles work, with terrain following and terrain avoidance, they're AIs that home in on a target without any communication with the ground or satellite. So they know the path, they know, they've memorized all the geography between where they're launched and where they're going to hit, and they use that to navigate. And that's been around like the Tomahawk cruise missile for a long time. So lethal AIs have been around a long time. And so far, we've managed them. Uh, so I think, that, again, the idea that uh, there will be autonomous weapons that kill us, that Skynet will decide humans aren't needed, and all of that, those things I'm not as worried about. I'm more worried about the way it's going to change humans. If you look, for example, at social media and the problems that have come up That's an interesting example. When the Internet first came out, people were very worried about privacy. And privacy has been a challenge, but not to the degree of bullying on social media, isolation, suicide, the kinds of things, not to mention propagation of political extremism, uh, the dark web and sex trafficking. None of those things were predicted. And those things are the ones that have turned out to be the biggest problems. And I'm confident that the same will be true of AI. And that right there is kind of scary when you think about, you know, the, the all the dark side. And again, you know, let's say another country, let's say they advanced a little bit more in, in spying or want to change what people think on maybe some media. Uh, that uh, AI can influence elections, it can influence people's thoughts. And, yeah. and and everything. And, and it's already happening. Yeah, but it's, it's getting worse. It's already happening. Yep, that's right. And uh, I think that the big challenge in 
addressing the dangers is going to be to be quick to react to them. The problem you have is that laws and policies and governmental responses are much slower than the advance of technology. You know, for example, it's legal to put in a fiber network that gives you a microsecond advantage in trading stocks. So you know what trades are made before other people do. The government hasn't figured out how to make that illegal yet. They probably should. I don't see why someone should know who's already trading what just because they have a faster network. But it takes a government a long time. And as I said earlier on the show, what we're seeing is going to be an astonishing acceleration of the acceleration of the rate of change of everything. What do you think it'll be like in the next five years? Um, this is a fascinating question. I'm actually a futurist. I give speeches everywhere on what the future holds. And when I look over the five-year horizon, the way I project it is I look at two things. What is certain to change? And one of them is Moore's Law. Computers are going to get cheaper and faster for another five years, about a factor of two every 18 months. Yeah. And the other things that do not change, human needs, human desires, human frailties, and human goodness. And so what I do is I imagine the collisions down the road of those two known forces that are going to happen. And one of the things that I predict is you're going to have an explosion of jobs that are created by AI. For example, if you look at the web, there didn't used to be a webmaster. Heck, there didn't used to be an IT department at a corporation. No. And so you're going to see an explosion of jobs. Uh, like, for example, I have a lot of friends now who ask me how to use ChatGPT to get what they want and avoid errors. I've become something of an expert in how to really be very careful in how I ask questions. And I think people are going to get paid to do that. To say, here, look, you really want to leverage this thing? Here's what you do and here's what you don't do. There will always be a need for people to help bridge the divide between fast-changing technology and never-changing humans. So I predict with great confidence you're going to see an explosion of jobs uh, that are going to be created by AI. Some yeah. I can predict, some I can't. But you but know, just like with the web, I know they'll be there. You know, but here's the thing. Certain people at certain ages, you know, the young people are the ones that are going to get hired in it. The guy mm -hmm. who's been a mechanic, for example, by the way, there's not many real mechanics left anymore, by the way, out mm -hmm. there. But, I mean, the older person in his mid-50s, you know, what is he, what is he going to do when he's well, out I'd of the job? the opposite. I'd argue that it's an equalizer. I mean, look at me. I'm 72. It's been 50 years since I went to a university class. But I'm learning at a far greater rate than I ever did when I was young. Because when I have a question, like I was wondering about magnetic microdomains in ferrometals, and I had a phenomenon I was seeing in the laboratory I didn't understand, and I asked the AI, why am I seeing this? And it said, gave me an answer, along with the deep physics uh, of it with Maxwell's equations. And I go, whoa. So I now know so much more than I ever did when I was in college. And I can do more. And I'm 72. Well, not, now, not just yeah. that. But if you think about it, even myself, okay, if there's something I need, okay, I can go on and, and, and find it instantly. Mm -hmm. Where before I would have to spend hours going through mm -hmm. different manuals or different books or, you know, uh, journals to find my information. Now I got it within a minute or less. Yeah. That's that's yeah. interesting, too. I got to ask you another question. How about down the road? Right. Are we going to be in a situation where like medical where the A.I. is going to make a decision on, well, that person needs treatment. This person's too old, so we're not going to give them any treatment. It's already done. The health insurance companies and in company, countries like the UK and Canada, they have these algorithms that do exactly that. Like, what are your chances? What's our return on investment going to be with this treatment? That's already happened. 
That's scary, um, you know, especially. Yeah, it old- is scary. I, I'll tell you, you ask me what's really scary. Here's what I think. It comes back to Michael Crichton and the wisdom in his books about the inability of humans to control complexity and their hubris at believing that they can. And that was what Jurassic Park was all about, Andromeda Strain, and so forth. And I'll tell you, uh, remember I said I started off life as a biologist, I'm a neuroscientist, and I looked at the world through the lens of biology. And I don't ever see technology as being anything but biology. I mean, think about it. You're in a structure right now that humans built to protect you. A turtle builds the same structure as does a snail. So they have kind of their way of housing themselves, and we have our way, but it's all in the service of biology, and everything that humans create is. And so AI isn't just like biology. It literally is biology. We use it for a biological purpose. And I think that there are forces at play in this universe that shape us in ways that we don't understand. I'll give you an example. Uh, Lovelock, who created the Gaia theory, which says that what's alive on Earth is all life, that, you know, that snail over there and you are the same as within you, your fingernail and your nose is. We're all part of one huge uber organism. And it works in such a way to maintain healthy conditions for all life on Earth. And Lovelock believes that climate change, if it's real, is the Earth's way of getting a fever to kill off the humans that are causing problems. And why do I bring that up? Because I think that that is a way in which AI originating in biology is going to play into biology in some way. Um, And it could be unintended. That one of the problems with AI is that it does what it does and even itself doesn't know why it does it. When I was in the aerospace business, We developed a seeker for an infrared missile that could detect tanks, and it worked great. But the power supply kept blowing out because what it had learned was to drive itself into an overload condition for the power supply to make the logic do something it wasn't designed to, but that was the way it solved the problem. And I think that when we try to solve humans' problems with AI, we're going to get into some complexities in the spirit of Michael Crichton that we just can't even begin to imagine. Could we be in a situation down the road that, you know, AI could basically say, you know, society shouldn't exist anymore, that we have destroyed the earth, so uh, we should get rid of the human race? I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to be careful about that because people are thinking about it. It could happen. You can't say never. But I think that... um, the nature of nonlinearities and complexity, which is why Michael Crichton kept talking about that, is that you get small little changes can produce enormous effects. And that's also what Kurzweil talks about with the singularity, that we're going to you know, cross one little threshold and all of a sudden the universe has changed forever. <clears throat> I don't think there's any doubt that that's going to happen. What worries me is that we just can't predict it. And I don't care what anyone says, we really can't predict it and we can't control it. And what we can't predict and we can't control is scary. Well, again, Michio Kaku was on my show and we were talking about, you know, that maybe we're not even living. We could be a program running somewhere, you know, with AI. What's your feeling on that? uh, It's not the most likely scenario, but it's possible. But I think that, uh, again, one of the things we can do, because this raises important question, okay, we can't predict it, we can't control it. What can we do and what should we do? And my own belief is that every time an advanced technology comes along, it carries the seeds of its own keeping it in check. I mean, think about it. Nuclear weapons were a horrible thing, but they're not being used because there are other nuclear weapons in other countries. 
And I think the same is going to be true in AI. We're going to need to use AI to counter itself. In cyber, you're seeing this, where cyber criminals are using AI, but cyber defenders are using it too. And I think that uh, we need to use AIs to help us figure out what the unexpected, unanticipated problems are going to be of AI. Well, and I'm already doing this. Like I said, I use one of the major large language models to help me predict what some of the unforeseen problems are going to be. So I think since we can't fight it, human nature wants things faster, better, cheaper. AI is going to provide that. It's going to happen. We need to kind of flow with it, surf that wave, not fight it and get drowned by it. And what we need to do is spend a lot of time and energy having AI help us anticipate problems. Yeah, we got a lot of problems. Now, shifting a little bit, I was told you're into UAPs a little bit. That's right. Um, I've been writing a lot about it. I write a blog for Psychology Today called Long Fuse Big Bang. And my last three articles have been on UFOs and UAPs. And the reason is I'm going to be on a TV show to air on A&E next March, where I'm the science consultant on a show about UFOs and aliens. What is your real feeling? I, I feel, okay, I, I've been doing this going on 52 years. I've interviewed literally, you know, Dr. Greer, everybody pretty much who, who's been into UFOs or UAPs, whatever you want to call it this week. Something is going on. Now, yeah. are we being lied to? Well, it's an interesting question about how you define a lie. Okay, I mean, not told the truth. Lie. How was that one? Well, it, when I was at NSA, and I was a pretty public face of the intelligence community, I was one of the handful of people that ran the whole intelligence community. So we talked to the press a lot and so forth. We never lied to them. We certainly omitted to tell them some things. So in that sense, for example, the DOD with its all domain anomaly resolution, they public made public a lot of things, a lot more things they have not made public. So I will say that. But when you ask what's going on, having studied it in great depth the last two years, and I realize that's not a long time for people who've been in this area, but my conclusion is that there is something real. It's not tinfoil hat type charlatans, and it's not people who are lost touch with reality. Most people who report UAPs, and I just wrote an article on this for Psychology Today, they've been profiled. And they're as normal as you or I, and they truly believe what they saw. Um, I think that it's one of two possibilities. It's either something not of this world, or it's something of this world that's very far ahead of where we are. And I want to bring that back to AI, because remember, I said that AI can accelerate the rate of acceleration. Some other country who uses it well could develop some kind of airborne technology that's way, way, way ahead of us because they have the help of a superintelligence. And so it would start to look like an alien advanced technology. So I think it's one of those two things. When you look at all the thousands of reports, there are a couple dozen or more that they have no explanation, not weather, not optical illusion, not parachuters, not any of the other normal things. And so that's what I think. It's either some super advanced technology from Earth or not from Earth. Well, you know, that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, you being in biology, let's look at this realistically. People would have to be very naive. And believe me, there's a lot of naive people not to think that there is life out there. And just mm -hmm. because we live on this planet, a lot of people think we're the only ones. There's mm -hmm. no life out there anywhere. Well, well you know, they, they need to I come out of the closet. It's very unlikely that we're unique. In fact, a theory called panspermia says that we ourselves are aliens, that mathematicians have looked at the DNA in us and said, 
four billion years, the long as Earth has been around, is not long enough to evolve this kind of sequencing. Now, you'll get arguments on that. <clears throat> but panspermia says that organisms can travel on asteroids and comets. There are extremophiles that can do that. They found organisms on the outside of the space shuttle that they'd never seen before. Well, they there are organisms found in the upper atmosphere. You know, that uh, asteroid, they went and got, you know, some, you know, stuff and brought it back. They're going to announce that they found organisms, you know, on in, on that, where life could be living on these things. It really wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, there are uh, organisms a mile down below the Earth's surface that only exist on radioactivity. There are some that don't need oxygen or sunlight. So <clears throat> I think that the odds are extremely high that there's life elsewhere. Whether it's come here or not, we really have no direct evidence of that, but we have to keep an open mind to it. Um, I just wrote an article on this new field called exopsychology, which is the psychology of extraterrestrials, a branch of astrobiology and SETI. And one of the things I point out in my article is that we cannot project the mind of someone that's not human because we have no framework or reference. So what I did in the article is I said, take everything we are and posit an organism that isn't any of those things. What if it's not an organism that has any conflict because there's no scarce resources and it has no predators and never has? What if it doesn't sexually reproduce? You know, what if uh, it's not even made of ordinary matter? What if it's made of dark matter and these UFOs that we're seeing are some kind of portal between the dark matter and ordinary matter? I mean, when you really allow yourself to get outside of humans, you start opening your eyes to some amazing possibilities. And um, I think the answer is going to lie in one of those shockingly unexpected. Uh, I, I kind of think of. The problem, if you took an iPad back to a caveman and showed him a movie on it, what would they think it was? <laughs> you know, would they think there were animal spirits in there? What would, you know, they wouldn't be right, that's for sure. And I think what we're seeing with UAPs very well could be the equivalent of that to us. We're seeing something so far advanced, we, are, we can't get our minds around it. We literally don't know what it is we're looking at. Well, there is definitely something going on, you know. Again, going back to Roswell, even before Roswell, there's been so many sightings, so many different things through the years. I had a sighting myself in the early 70s in the desert of New Mexico. I mean, there's things out there which you look at, and, you know, back in the 70s, if we had that type of technology on this planet, then why do we have what we have for jets? Why do we have yeah. missiles when we could have so much more technology? Yeah. So, I, I, you know, something is going on. And, and what I'm, a lot of people are worried about is artificial intelligence. Like I said before, could either create a war or it could cause a false flag. You know, who knows what the political side might be in five, ten years from now who in, knows? In, in this and world? Getting, yeah. Uh, getting back to UFOs or UAPs, if the ETs are anything like us, the most likely scenario is that the UFOs we're seeing are AIs. Because if you're sending something a very long distance, the whole life support for it and everything is difficult. Radiation is a problem. Zero Gs are a problem. What we've done is we've sent probes out there, and those probes are getting smarter and smarter, like the ones we put on Mars. So the odds are if we, ET has visited us, it's the ET's technology and the AI that's here. It's a big possibility. And Dr. Bruce McAbee, you know, years ago on my show said, you know, it was like TikTok. It's no way a living creature could have been in that unless they have technology far superior because they would be liquefied mm -hmm. because of their moves. And so, you know, again, you know what? We're out of time. And I got so many more questions, so maybe down the road we can get you on for part two of this. But do you have a website, anything you want to share to the listeners? Well, the main place people can see what I'm up to is my blog on Psychology Today. It's uh, Long Fuse Big Bang. Uh, just Google that or put in my name with Psychology Today. 
I do have a website, drhasseltine.com, where you can see all of my books and my spy thriller and everything like that. Great. Well, sir, I want to thank you so much for being on. And, you know, the weekend's coming up and the holiday season's coming. I wish you the best. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Okay, my friend, you take care. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, JC, what are we going to be talking? Do we have Dr. Chance on tomorrow by any chance? No, we have Marshall Barnes coming on. Okay. Yeah, he's going to be talking about time travel and different ways that we maybe we can get to Mars and other places with time travel. Yeah, you, Andrew talked about time travel, and isn't he going to be back on in the near future talking about time slips, which I encountered? Yeah, he's going to be coming. Well, I think it's early January. He's going to be coming on talking about the time slips. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, interesting. Have you ever had a time slip? I had something weird. I don't know if it was a time slip. But I was riding my bike in an alley one day in the middle of broad daylight, and it was as as if I hit a two foot invisible wall. I went flying, and this was a bike that had no front brakes, so it wasn't like you know you hit the front brakes. I still can't wrap my head around it. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. I mean, AI is really scary. Artificial intelligence. Hey, you know, maybe, you know, it might cause a lot less divorces. You just marry a computer and, and you know, it looks beautiful. You can have red hair, blonde hair, you know, have her shaped any which way you want, you know, from a model to, you know, whatever. And it's all going to be artificial intelligence, and and they're going to learn your traits, and you're going to be treated like a king. But, you know, I'm still worried about is as this advances, and older people have a hard time adapting to newer technology. I'm still worried we're going to have a lot of people in their 50s and older are going to have a lot of time to walk around the lake, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, listen, and here's the other thing. The to- totality of AI over a 10, 20-year period will be dummying down uh, humanity big time. What's your name again? No, I'll get, yeah. You know, if you don't use it, you lose it. That's the whole problem. <laughs> and everybody, tomorrow, make sure we got a great guest. We're going to talk about time travel tomorrow. And, well, at the top of the hour, we're going to take phone calls. And you can talk about whatever you want to talk, long as it's not religion or political. You can talk about your love life. You can talk about your 59 Etzel motor doesn't want to start. Or you just talk about, you know, things, what's going on. That's tomorrow at uh, 8 p.m. Pacific West Coast time. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun. It's a it's a new thing. Come talk about whatever, as long as it's not politics or religion. Yeah, and on Fridays, you know, we're going to start bringing on you know people that, well, their career is that's why they went on strike. They were worried about artificial intelligence replacing them. Let's face it, you, you're an actor, right? You, you get paid by the gig. You know, if if artificial intelligence started creates their own actors, right? Then why do they need people, you know, doing the, you know, roles and in, in TV shows and movies and even talk show hosts could be replaced with AI. Could you imagine you're talking to me and I'm not me on a computer running the AI program? <laughs> well, this is much more cheaper and efficient to pay AI to generate even fake actors that look real. And compare that cost to paying one actor maybe $5 million, $10 million for one role. Yeah, just run the computer and run a program and create the person. You know, again, we've we got to get out of here, but holograms have advanced so far. And with AI, you can actually watch Elvis Presley or some famous people. And you know what? They're on stage. And you're one of the people that just paid $100 to see Elvis Presley sing. And it looks real. He sounds real, and he talks to the audience. It's all AI. It's scary. Think about that. And also, when you go in the department store, watch what you type, and on your phone, uh uh-huh, don't look at porn. You're going to get busted, because I have a friend, not me, not me, that he was looking on porn. That's what he told me the other day when I told him we were going to talk about artificial intelligence. And his wife was watching TV. A smart TV, and guess what popped up? (laughs) 
It wasn't so, him popping up, I'll tell you that. So what did Linda say to you? It wasn't my wife. It wasn't me. It's <laughs> one of my friends. Okay. Okay? I, come on. I'm not the age. I don't even think about that type of stuff. But be careful. Oh. Well, till tomorrow, everybody have a good one. And, well, stay out of trouble. And watch out at the campground because you never know that Bigfoot could get you.